0: and welcome to the sports ethos dfs today podcast i am your host mike apatio joined by the one and only harris kermani we're here to break down monday slate for you guys doing good over here starting to warm up out here in texas harris so i think we hit 90 degrees today uh i know you were traveling how was how was your flight how was all the travel uh what's the what's the weather up there like in Canada because now I feel like now that I'm sitting here and it's 90 I gotta rub it in people's faces when they're cold
1: <laughs> yeah on the other hand we're sitting at uh it with a wind chill of minus 17 right now <laughs> oh yes yeah with like uh I think we're sitting at like 50 to 60 kilometer winds if not a little bit faster than that at the moment so yeah, I had to run around do a couple of deliveries on the way back from the from my trip so that was that was fun but as far as the trip itself is concerned it was good and then we got to head out to New York, not really spend much time over there was quite literally get off the flight, go straight to the venue, do what we need to do uh, to change and get ready and be there for a cousin's wedding. Literally went the night and then then early next morning got back so it's just kind of been a quick turnaround but it was good to see a couple of these people that i hadn't seen in like 15 16 years to be honest i was like holy crap okay so yeah i was you got
0: those cheeks pinched and said hey
1: oh it's been so long and you got so big yeah especially i mean i'm a i'm six four and i mean last time they ended up seeing me i was like you know whatever five five whatever at that point so they're just like what the hell happens (laughs)
0: Oh, <laughs> well, good for you, man! I'm glad. You, well, what part of New York was it?
1: Ah, uh, so this was Hicks, Hicks, Hicksville. Hicksville is where we went, which I'd never actually been to before. But uh, we got off LaGuardia, rented a car, and it was about a 30 minute drive to get to where it was. So, yeah, right. new spot there. And I'm just reminded again that the roads in Canada are just so much better than anywhere else in the oh, U.S. Oh man,
0: yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I drove in New York. It's uh, unless you're like upstate New York, it's it's brutal. Uh, especially once you start to get to, like, you know, Manhattan and and the actual city. uh, It's terrible. And then I've been driving down here in Texas for about 9, 10 months now, man. And it's safe to say, and listen, for all my Texas listeners and followers, love the state. But y'all suck at driving. Uh, It's bad (laughs) down here, man. Uh, I, I, you know, it it led me to Google. uh, And I found out that Dallas has the most car crash deaths, car accident deaths in our country. Uh, so yeah, uh, people are, people are either going 35 in the fast lane or they're going to buck 20, weaving in and out, no turn signals. Uh, but I sit there, man, I coast, I used to have road rage and now I just, I, I sit in the middle lane. I mind my business. I, I mind my peace. Uh, and I, I just try to get to where I got to get to safely, but you're right. It's, uh, it's, it's rough driving up there in New York as well though, but we have, we, we have a nice little game. Uh, nice little slate, nice little game, nice little game slate. Uh, you know, nine games to talk about here. So we got some action. We're going to dive right into things, guys. But before we do, a quick little shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy, guys. Check out Thrive Fantasy, it is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top tier players. You choose 10 of 20 available players out of the player pool to build your lineup. Each Prop is assigned a fancy value for the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. And then what you do is you rack up the most points, win a share of the prize pool. Uh, they've awarded plenty of money. I don't even want to use the numbers that they gave us off this original ad read Harris, because at this point it's useless because uh, they've, they continue to just pump out money. And the best way to get the money is free money. And the only way to do that is when you sign up and use that promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you receive a 100% instant first deposit match. On up to $100. So head over there. You can download Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Here's first game of the night. We have the Denver Nuggets traveling to Charlotte, taking on the Hornets. Hornets on the second half of a back-to-back. And then for the Nuggets, Compozo is questionable. Michael Green is questionable. Jamal Murray has been ruled out along with Michael Porter Jr. and Zeke Nagy. I believe... We saw Lamella Ball injure himself in this one. I don't know if he returned. Maybe he'll have an update that I don't. Um, I didn't quite check out if he has returned or not. I've been sitting here, actually. Uh, I just watched the new Halo show. Shout out. We'll watch it if you haven't. Uh, so that's what I've been doing my last hour. So I stopped watching basketball. Uh, and then me and I was like, listen, I got to take advantage of it. Girlfriend's in the other room. Uh, watching some show that I, I probably would never watch my own, whether it's, like, 90 Day Fiance. She, she loves all those shows, man. So I took advantage. I threw Halo on the screen real
1: quick. Did you happen to see whether or not he came back? Do you have any information on that? I didn't on my end as well. I was watching that uh, Charlotte-Brooklyn game all the way through. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we got to keep an eye on that. <laughs>
0: yep. Uh, that's obviously going to be a big impact on this one. But we'll start off here at the Nuggets. I will pass it over to you,
1: actually, first. 231 and a half game total, Nuggets favored by three and a half points. Yep. And as far as the Denver side is concerned, I mean, first and foremost, this is likely going to be one of the top matchups on the slate. Uh, looking at the uh, looking at the totals, just kind of eyeballing it, it looks like it's the second highest one of the night. And really, it comes back to the Nikola Jokic side of things. Like he had an absolutely monster game the first time around that he went up against Charlotte, dropped 65 DK points on that one. We know that the Hornets are coming in on a back to back, and they themselves are going to be, you know, now that they've gotten themselves up into that situation where i believe they've taken over 8 seed now. Yes, they did actually. Yeah, they took over 8 seed after beating Brooklyn tonight. So, they're desperately trying to avoid that uh that r- sudden death play in scenario. So This is going to be really cool to be able to watch, but i expect Jokic to be an absolute monster in this matchup here. We've seen how Charlotte as great as they are on the offensive end, they just really struggle to be able to contain anyone inside the paint. Even today, we saw them against Brooklyn really it was the late game uh, defense on the perimeter that helped them out, but I mean, you had them being able to have Andre Drummond go off for 20 and 17 on the inside and just complete and utter freedom in the paint where Jokic is going to absolutely kill them too. I've kind of avoided the rest of the the Nuggets. That being said, Will Barton is finally getting himself back on track. He's at two great games now in that price tag of that 5,000 range. I'm sure there's going to be others that um, you may be looking at for a little bit more kind of upside. But much like uh, Will Barton has those kind of games where he can just go off for his price tag, I do like this one to be one of those. I do expect myself to have a little bit more exposure in this matchup in comparison to some of these other ones where I will be uh, likely stricken them off the record, which is kind of what happens in a nine game, uh, nine game slate. But beyond Jokic and maybe a little bit of Barton, if you're feeling frisky, Bones Highland is always in play, especially if this game gets in any way out of hand. Though I expect it to be a tight one all the way through.
0: Well said, I will only be targeting, I don't think I've played anybody from Denver outside of Jokic in better half of a month and a half at this point. Uh, on the Charlotte side, I did do my research while you were talking, the Mello did return to the game. Oh, yes. uh, so. There's that uh, was obviously if he sat out or if he was forced to miss, keep your eye on it. Uh, I did not even see what the injury was. I'm going to guess ankle. That's what it is. 90% of the time a guy goes to a locker room uh, and returns. It's usually the ankle, but usually they keep their shoe taped up. They keep their shoe on they in And then what happens is sometimes after the game, uh, you take the tape off, you take the shoe off ankle swells. So keep your eye on that. If that's again, totally speculation here. Uh, I did not see it. I do not know what happened. Hopefully by tomorrow, uh, you guys might be listening. You might know more than me. Um, but if he happens to sit, I think that's a big, big boom for Terry Rozier. I think Kelly Oubre at 3,600 would become a great play if is forced to sit simply because uh, without Gordon Hayward and if sit sits, they'll slide Rozier over. We'll probably see either Cody Martin or it would be Kelly Oubre draw the start. Uh, either way, either one would be a fantastic play at sub 36. So those are the two guys that I wanted to talk about based on the Mello news. Outside of that, though, uh, as great of a matchup as this is for, I mean, it's more of a great matchup for the Denver side of things. It's, I mean, Denver's defense isn't the, the stoutest, uh, but I don't, I think everybody else is priced appropriately at this point. You know, LaMelo can always crush that upside. If he does play 8,900, I wouldn't fault you, but we have so many guys and good matchups on this slate where I don't think I'll be going to too much of anything over here. So for the most part, outside of LaMelo sits, I think I'm taking the pass.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, to me, LaMelo's in that price tag range where he's always going to be in play. I called him out as my top kind of spend up on the night today for Charlotte and worked out pretty well for me. So I may have to kind of stick on brand here. I do expect this to be a high-paced matchup. I'll probably end up having just that little bit of LaMelo just because he has the capability to be able to go out there. I will see if he happens to sit. I don't know if they're going to necessarily do that, like I said, at this point, unless he truly is in a situation where he can't get out and play, Charlotte's going to want every win possible as the runway keeps getting shorter over here to try and get as close to that kind of seven seed as possible for them. Get home court in that playing game and see if they can uh, shock the shock the Cleveland Cavaliers who have been kind of slumping as of late. So we'll see how that works out. But I'm right there with you. I've kind of always avoided Rogier in general. I did play him a little bit tonight. And the same with Miles Bridges just because I love that matchup. That being said, their price tags are where they should be and is going to be the major guy I look at. All right, we'll
0: move on. Orlando Magic traveling to Cleveland, taking on the Cavs. Uh, we saw Wendell Carter Jr. sit out that last game, but he is good to go in this one, but keep your eye on it. They said, I think they said the same thing for the past two games now. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, Jalen Suggs both rolled out, as well as Ball Ball. And then for the Cavs, Jared Allen, Rajon Rondo, Colin Sexton, and Dean Wade have all been rolled out. This game's coming in at 214 and a half game total. So one of the lower game totals with also a 10 and a half point spread. So that pretty much says all I I need to hear, Uh, but I'll pass it over to you. I'll get your thoughts on Orlando, but keep it short and sweet, man. I'm not really looking at much of anything in this game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, as you said, there's a, in a nine game slate, it's nice to be able to strike some off the record here and plain and simple Orlando at these price tags. I mean, other than Mo Bombo, who's had a couple of good games coming in, you know he has the capability to be able to go off. Cleveland has been, you know, other than Mobley themselves, they've had a little bit of trouble on the rest of their front court being able to being able to defend either marketing or kevin love will be put out there and they're likely to have that little bit of trouble with Mobamba. but again there's just so many other options that we're going to get into that i'm i'm happy to just not worry about anyone from orlando and take it on the chin yep and i feel
0: the same way about cleveland i know i mean normally these are guys i love to target but with like you said nine games other guys that run the same price tag if not cheaper and more competitive higher paced matchups the whole nine uh, I don't I don't really see myself going to too much over here. I do want to mention Levert a little bit because we finally saw that minutes cap released. He played 36 against Chicago, only put up about 29 DK points, uh, but that was also on one of six from deep shooting, which isn't going to happen every single night. So he's the one guy that I could see maybe, maybe, but even then, if the game does get out of hand, he's going to be the first one that goes on the bench. There's no reason to push the limits after just getting that minutes limit increased unless they are just trying to get him back into form. So The only guy in Cleveland that I actually had kind of written down over here. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add.
1: You take it. No, I'm good. I'm good with Cleveland. As I said, I expect this to be a match that Cleveland is really trying to get themselves back on track over here. And that's going to be, in my opinion, a blowout. Let's see what actually happens up happening. All right. We'll move on. Next game, Atlanta
0: Hawks traveling to Indiana to take on the Pacers. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, John, uh, he's questionable, I'm sorry. John Collins, Shreve Cooper, ruled out. Danilo Gallinari is questionable as well. For the Pacers, Goga, questionable, sat out that last game. Brogdon, Tank, he's ruled out. Uh, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, TJ McConnell, Ricky Rubio, Miles Turner, TJ Warren, all ruled out. And then Dwayne Washington Jr. is questionable. 234.5 game total. Hawks favored by 7.5 points. Lead us off here with Atlanta.
1: Yeah, man, there's really... One guy to be able to lead you off with Atlanta on here, which is Trey Young. And he has had his absolute way as far as this matchup is concerned. Three games already in this season, averaging 60.8 DK points, shooting 58% from the field, 55 from three. Just goes to tell you how badly he has owned the Indiana Pacers. Again, the worry here comes down to what you're thinking about from a game script perspective. against Atlanta. Hasn't been the greatest in terms of the away team being able to go ahead and come out and blow a team out, but... They did. Uh, you know they did do really well in that last game against the Golden State Warriors. They've had a couple of days off over here. So I expect Trey to come out all guns firing, even if he plays you know, thirty two to thirty three minutes. That's probably a pretty good spot for his uh, for his salary to be able to get blown up, given the fact that Indiana just is not able to stay with him. But again, it's just one of those things where I'm always wary of paying that kind of price tag for a matchup in which there's a chance that it could potentially blow up. That being said, 235 game total means someone's going to have to absolutely go, and I may see myself having just that little bit of exposure as far as Atlanta's concerned with some of these ancillary guys. We've seen if Bogdan Bogdanovich is out, you know, Kevin Herter is going to get that much more responsibility on the offensive end, coming off a really solid game up against the Golden State Warriors as well, and you know he has that kind of upside to be able to get you that mid-30s. Galinari, also questionable if that ends up happening, as I said, it's just kind of, pushes that Kevin Herter a little bit more. I may even start thinking a little bit about uh, either a a DeLon Wright or or a DeAndre Hunter, depending on how things end up working out in terms of who's actually sitting out, just because I do expect there to be at least a couple of really fantasy-friendly nights over here, lines over here.
0: Yep, I'm right there with you. I think, for the most part, uh, keep your eye on the Bogdanovich News. If he sits uh, and Gallinari sits, I think if both those guys happen to sit, it would probably end up being uh, TLC, Timothy O'Cabro, who draws a start. He's near mid-salary. But, uh, you know, not to to spoil or or foreshadow too much, there's a lot of value on this slate based off the news that we have the night before, let alone what's going to break in the middle of the day. So I don't think we need to go too crazy with the dumpster dive options that you know, might have a little bit more risk or you're worried about game scripts or whatever it might be. But I think absolutely Trey Young in an absolutely smashed spot here. Uh, Other guy we wanted to talk about would have been TLC. Uh, On the other side of the ball, depending on how you're game scripting it, Tyrese Halliburton, 9,200. He's expensive. There's no doubt about it. But he's also uh, $600 cheaper than he was in that last game. So we're getting a, a discount compared to how he was in Toronto, where he only took seven shot attempts and the shot attempts have been down over the past five games. He has had four games with under nine shot attempts. So nine or less. Uh, I, it worries me because I know if this guy comes out here and wants to take 10 to 15 shot attempts, he can absolutely crush this matchup. Uh, we I always talk about targeting point guards against Atlanta. It's something I absolutely love to do. But it does worry me ever so slightly that he's just kind of playing a passive point guard role at this point, just trying to get through the season. Um, letting these other guys take their turns. We're seeing Justin Anderson come onto the scene. He's been getting buckets lately. Even Lance Stevenson, when he gets run, he's not shy. I mean, past two games, Lance Stevenson's taken at least 11 shots in both those and hasn't even played more than 23 minutes. So there's a lot to like over here based on the matchup. I think Halliburton still, it's a point guard versus Atlanta. I'm going to have interest. And then I want to keep an eye on Goga, because if Goga happens to sit, I think Jalen Smith absolutely comes into play at 5,900, just knowing that there's no Jackson. Uh, He should get fair run, have the majority of the center minutes at that point. And then I think Terry Taylor makes a great option regardless if you want to go on that 4,200 contrarian route just simply because he should still play his mid-20s minutes to high 20s minutes no matter what. And if the game gets out of hand, he's certainly going to play even more than that. So that's all I really wanted to talk about over here was going to be Jalen Smith, Halliburton, and Terry Taylor.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And really what we've been seeing with Indiana, as you said, apart from trying to get to the end of the season, it's just trying to get healthy bodies out there. Justin Anderson has been a guy I've been playing for the last two nights. Do do think 4,700 is probably about the highest I'd be willing to pay for him. So I may still get uh, a little bit of exposure to him depending on what we see as far as the uh, confirmed uh, outs are for the Indiana Pacers. But as you said, Halliburton 9,200, just a bit too much for uh, what I'd be looking for. I don't, I'd rather play LaMelo at 8,900 if I'm looking at the uh, Halliburton side of things. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. But by and large, I've avoided the pacers outside of some of the uh, the value options at the bottom there, which I've been getting with Justin Anderson.
0: Can't fault you, man. Although I would take that friendly bet. I, I do think I like Halliburton a little more than LaMelo personally. But you're splitting hairs. You're talking about two young point guard, two you know, both can hit 50. They both can hit 40. feels like they're both in like a, a 38 to 40 point floor in this. And they both have that 50 to 60 point upside. But we don't even need to go there. We have so many other guards on this slate. We would even get to some of the best ones. Uh, next game, Sacramento traveling to Miami. A game that they very well get crossed off again for us, man. It's coming in at a 220 and a half game total. Miami favored by 13 and a half points. Uh, one of the larger spreads of the night and simply because Sacramento, hopefully there's not too many Sactown fans listening right here, but they stink. Uh, <laughs> they're dealing with their injuries. They're missing their top guys. They're struggling to stay in the games. But Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin are both questionable, along with P.J. Tucker and Gabe Vincent. Uh, and then we got to look at the Kings. It's Terrence Davis, D- uh, Darren Fox, Rashawn Holmes, Damana Sabonis all ruled out. I will pass it over to you some of these Sacramento guys are starting to get a little price bump. I mean, Dave in up to 74. Is that, is that something you stomach in this matchup?
1: Yeah. And that's pretty much where I'd been looking at. Honestly, I would hope he had kind of stayed in that 6,000 price range where he would have been excellent for the amount of minutes. He's pretty much going to play for the remainder of the season, but for him to get bumped up 1400, he's probably at his fair price tag. Now I would say, given how everything else will kind of play out, he'll probably end up somewhere in that 35 to 38 DK points range, which is absolutely solid. But Miami, as we know, is an incredibly pesky defensive squad. If he uh, if he gets going, if all these people are out, you know they're going to end up shoving either uh, Jimmy Butler on him if they're going to go ahead and shove Kyle Lowry. They'll they'll do what they can to be able to go ahead and slow him down. And there's just not too many outlets for Davion Mitchell to be able to get away. So again, it's one of those cross him out. There's you know decent uh, decent upside if Mitchell can get himself going, but I just never like taking that bet in general against Miami.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, Miami's probably one of the teams I target the least. Just because not only their defense is like, you know, stout. They got very good defenders pretty much all around. With Lowry, Butler, Bam, P.J. Tucker, uh, you name it. They just slow the game down so much. where we see some of the lower totals most nights. And this one having a 13.5 point spread, it just, you know, it's contrarian. If you're playing somebody that's contrarian, if you're playing Mitchell, you're probably running it back with the Bam or a Butler or a Lowry playing a big piece on the other side, hoping that we get all four quarters. Um, But other than that, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't really, DiVincenzo has been somebody I've been kind of keeping my eye on, but I think we have better value available that we'll get to in a little while Uh, on the Miami side of the ball. Same thing I just said. It's contrarian. I think these guys, because it's a fantastic matchup. They should all absolutely smash. It's just, do you actually think this game stays close enough where we're going to get, you know, 35 minutes out of Butler? I mean, all these guys have kind of been nursing injuries throughout the season picking their days for rest spots. It wouldn't shock me if we see a couple guys end up sitting out of this one. We had four guys questionable coming in. Uh, none of them are the true, you know, leaders of this team outside of maybe hero. He's a, he's a big player, which in that case, if we see hero sit, if we see Caleb Martin sit, Gabe Vincent sit, maybe max Stress at 3,700, he'd probably be matchup proof because he'd be looking at like, you know, 24 minutes if the game stays close, like 28, if it gets out of hand. So that's really the only guy I have a ton of interest in, but mostly just because I just don't, I don't trust this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the only point of interest with Miami right now is whether uh, Jimmy gets into another fight with Eric. <laughs> That's about it. That yeah, wild. it's it's just that uh, it was hilarious to me, by the way, all the way through. And you see Kyle Lowry trying to call the it timeout. It's like, yeah, let's give us a couple more minutes over here. But as you said, it's just a great spot in terms of their price tags are concerned. But there's just better games to be able to target. Nine game slate. Just go ahead and scratch this one out. As far as I'm concerned, this is a six to seven game slate where I'm looking into the main guys. And this is one of those odd ones out. Absolutely. And now people wonder, like, why
0: did you Donis have him on the team? That, that's why Spolster keeps him around uh, in case you're a personal bodyguard. All right. The next game, Chicago Bulls traveling to New York, taking on the Knicks. Knicks on the second half of back to back. No injury report for them. But Lonzo has been ruled out major news for the Bulls. That's pretty much it. Two twenty three and a half game total with the Bulls favored by four and a half points. I will pass it over to you. Talk about Chicago. I mean, this looks like it's a favorable matchup on paper for pretty much everybody. But who are you looking at the most?
1: Yeah, and coming into the Garden, you you always know that the Stars are going to take whatever opportunity they can get to get themselves going. DeMar loves playing at the Garden. He's had a number of his career highlights over there. I do like these price tags in general now that they've gotten below that uh, 9,000 range. I know in general, I've always liked targeting Levine more so than DeMar DeRozan, but if they're going to be at the exact same price pretty much at this point, I probably am a little bit more interested in DeMar, just given, as I said, his history in New York. In general, he's had good games against them also this year, 45 DK points on average. And if you're talking from an upside perspective yes there's that little bit of a worry given the fact that all three of them are going to be healthy likely splitting that little bit of usage between them and it's not like this is an absolute barn burner as far as point spread is concerned but given the fact that new york is a lot more capable of keeping things closer at home they're looking like they're a little bit more healthy this time around with uh, julius randall also coming back we'll speak to that hopefully that'll make it so that this game does go deeper and if that's the case Demar, as a, that power forward position, pretty much the lead guard on a team is always in a, in a decent spot from a positional standpoint. So between him and Levine, I have no problem taking either of them. Vooch, as solid as he is and as solid as he has been in the two games against the Knicks, has always just kind of been a guy I've avoided unless he has a price tag that I just can't ignore. That is not the case over here. And I'm just going to stick with uh, between uh, Demar and Levine, probably leaning a bit more towards Demar in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I like DeMar. He's probably my favorite player over here. And I think I prefer Vuk, uh, a little bit over uh, Levine, but it's splitting hairs. And I don't think either one of those guys, if I'm playing anyone on the bolts, it's going to be DeMar DeRozan when it's all said and done. Uh, on the Knicks side of the ball, I'm not playing Randall at 94. I just, unless I need it, if it comes down to game script or however you're ruling it, um, maybe position eligibility helps you, but we'll have we'll have plenty of power forwards that we'll talk about in the second half of this slate. Uh, I just haven't been playing many of these guys. I think R.J. Parrott's price tag a little inflated from some big games that we saw with Julius Randle being out. Alec Burks has been better half of mediocre all season long where, you know, we get those 30-point games here and there. Don't get me wrong, like DK-point games, that is. But at 5,900 on a nine-game slate with as many injuries that there will be, you're going to need more than 30. It's going to be very high scores on tonight's slate. I think that ends up taking down JPPs. So, I'm kind of trying to just, you know, work my way through the weeds. And, yes, I think it could be a solid play if you land on him. It's not the worst thing that could happen. But when it's all said and done, you're going to need a high score. you got to think about what the potential upside is, but it's all said and done. So I don't think I'll end up landing on him too too much. If anything, uh, it, it might just be GPP pivots with guys like maybe Evan Fournier just because no one ever owns them. I don't love it. I don't love the price tag. I don't think I'll end up even landing there. But if there's one guy that I guess I should talk about maybe, I don't even think I should, uh, that would be it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And much in the same vein, Emmanuel Quickly has kind of been that guy for me as well. It's just one of those if I'm looking for that GP pivot, someone who can potentially drop somewhere in the mid 30s when his price tag is uh, kind of consistently in that low 5000s. It's an okay play. I don't again, don't absolutely love it, but I don't think it's a bad spot to be able to take him. I do think he is likely going to end up with like 5.5 to somewhere close to 6x, just given the fact that he's getting uh, the amount of shots he is off the bench. Again, I've spoken about this lots of times in the past. I never trust Thibodeau with his rotations. But at this point, he's pretty much kind of forced to throw out what he is. And we're seeing uh, quickly get more consistently up in the high 20s to low 30s as far as minutes are concerned, which is usually enough for a guy who's going to just have a green light to shoot what he can because the rest of this Knicks offense is god-awful. All right, Yeah, pretty much their defense,
0: offense, team. (laughs) <laughs> Coaching, uh, point guard play, everything's been got off on their part this season. We'll move on. Boston Celtics traveling to Toronto, taking on the Raptors. We have the Celtics on the second half of the back-to-back. But we already got the news that Robert Williams and Al Horford will be ruled out of this one. So here comes our value. We're getting some of it here. Uh, and then we got to keep an eye on Tatum and Brown. Both those guys were game-time decisions coming into the game. Expect them to play, but just keep your eye on the news. You never know. And then for the Raptors, it's Gary Trent Jr. questionable. Malachi Flynn ruled out for a game total. Uh, this is probably the one that we we do have it. Two nineteen and a half Raptors favored by one and a half points in this one. So uh, maybe that's all we need to know. Maybe
1: maybe somebody else is sitting, or do you think the front court
0: guys swing that line enough?
1: Yeah. Well, first and foremost. Regardless of how who's playing for Boston, it's always a tight game with the Raptors. Is just how it's set. It'll be interesting to know if we can uh, get back to the to the arena as normal. I don't know if you followed that last Raptors game. That was like a speaker fire ended up happening, and my friend was there and is like, "Yeah, we just all got evacuated, and they had to finish the game without any fans." Which, of course, is good that they were able to do that because they were smacking Indiana by like thirty points at that time. But as always, this is the matchup that uh, Toronto always looks forward to as far as its division is concerned. I expect it to be tight. Uh, Tatum and Brown both absolutely just have one of those where if they get going, especially Tatum, who hasn't had that game so far this year against the Toronto Raptors, but he's just always been that guy to be able to do it. And Boston is much different now than they were earlier in the season when, when we got to take them on. So. This is kind of the last game of the uh, of the season for them as far as the division's concerned. Again, from a standings perspective, I expect this to be a good one. So as far as where I'm targeting, Grant Williams, is from the value perspective where I'm looking, we've seen him uh, consistently be a very decent DFS producer anytime he can get himself into that uh, mid-30s as far as his minutes are concerned, and he's likely to be required to do that. It's just been kind of that small, small ball, small forward, power forward four. Um, uh, for the boston celtics anytime he's needed to be able to go ahead and throw him out there and i do expect that they're going to do that especially now that uh the raptors have both og and scotty they're going to need that little bit of a more switchability that comes there but in general i've always kind of avoided taking the top guys as far as uh as far as boston's turn taking it off the chin they both had great games today tatum and brown that is and if i'm looking elsewhere it's always kind of been towards that marcus smart side of things mainly because i love his price tag he's always going to get the kind of minutes that he needs to get and if there's one thing that marcus Smart isn't is that shy He is not gun shy at all he if he can get his opportunity to get any sort of shots going doesn't matter how efficient he is you know he's going to shoot five to six times from three probably going to get to a 10 to 12 field goal attempts as well and the rest of his stat line usually ends up working it out which kind of gives him that gbp upside and where he can bust but he's never going to bust that badly he'll probably end up in like low to mid 20s on a bad night as far as dk points are concerned but he can get you that 40 on any decent night which for that price tag is always something that's of interest to me and i'm going to be looking at that if they do end up choosing to start daniel tice i may have a little bit of interest in him as well just from that center perspective but uh, we'll have to see how that ends up going but by and large it'll be grant williams and a little bit of marcus smart
0: I like, yeah, I was right there. If Tice starts, I'm going to be all over him. I prefer him over Grant Williams. If he does draw the start at 3,700, if Grant Williams draws the start at center, uh, likely means Tatum's playing power forward. Everybody shifts up a little bit, and we could see Derek White start is what I imagine next to Marcus Smart. So those are the two guys I had the most interest in, uh, based on what we know the starting lineup could be, uh, would be either Tice or Derek White. I wouldn't fault you if we want to look at Tatum or Brown or even Smart. But I'm not going to over-invest myself in this game, and I think I'm just going to take what's given to me as far as, you know, a guy that would be underpriced for how many minutes he's going to play. Uh, on the Toronto side, oh, man, we messed it up. I should have let you take Toronto. That's terrible. I'm a, no, good. I'm a terrible human being, man. I should have did better. should have been better than that. Uh, well, we got to keep an eye on Van Vliet over here for Toronto. I think, you know, regardless of him being on the injury report or not being on the injury report, we saw it during that speaker fire game we just talked about. He ended up not even returning. So they're just really not pushing it with him. Uh, wouldn't it shock me if at any point in time we see him get scratched, like two, three hours before the game. They wouldn't do it last minute. If anything, they would do it a couple hours. Give us a heads up. But as we know of right now, he should be able to play. Gary Trent Jr. is the main guy that we're keeping an eye on. And anytime we see Gary Trent Jr. Uh, is ruled out, I'm going to go back to the well with Chris Boucher. Uh, it's just bottom line. He ends up playing. Th- he's played 30 minutes the last four games. Uh, he is the biggest benefactor of him being uh, sitting out. It's just everybody shifts down a spot. We see Siakam play more four, opens up the spot regardless of whether or not Precious ends up starting or if coming off the bench. I'm still gonna have more interest in Boucher on a night-to-night basis. They're very similar in price tags. He's the main guy I'm looking at here, uh, but I wouldn't mind taking a look at Siakam, just simply because if Tatum's playing the four or even if Grant Williams is playing the four, it's a much easier matchup than going against Horford and Robert Williams front court. Uh, he should have a little bit more room to work here see that Pascal Siakam spin move uh, probably about 12 times tonight is what I imagined. So those were the two guys that kind of stood out for me, but you know, I'm sure you're going to add plenty, plenty of worth noting here. uh, And I'll pass it over to you to talk about some other guys.
1: Yeah. I was going to go the other way where I specifically don't take Pascal Siakam anytime he goes up against Boston. It's just one of those where, He's in his head. Like we used to talk about how Embiid, we had a uh, Embiid's number just given how we used to end up defending him on like the top of the key and forcing him into spots that he's not comfortable with. Boston is great at doing that with Pascal Siakam. He's always just four to five feet out further than he likes to be. Marcus Smart especially goes up in the post against him, and we already know how pesky he is there. It's very Kyle Lowry like in that sense, but also able to. Uh, get his arms into uh, positions that just siakam just doesn't like he's just never had great matchups up against boston and it's just i I'm never one to bet on taking that so on a personal note i'm going to be avoiding him i do uh, i do like the call on uh, on chris boucher as well as a uh, precious achua i think both of those guys have been just very very solid for exactly their price tags uh, boucher just gives you that little bit more upside while achua's floor is just a bit more secure if uh, if van vliet is sitting out and We know Malachi is already going to be out. I may also be looking from the value perspective at Armani Brooks, who, by the way, just signed a multi-year contract with the Toronto Raptors, has looked incredibly, incredibly useful on the defensive end. And I expect we see his minutes ramp up that little bit more because I do expect we're going to start to see him a bit more in the playoffs. And speaking of minutes ramping up, we're seeing that with OG as well, who got himself up to 28 minutes in the last game there with Indiana, despite how badly that uh, was a blowout as well. So I do expect they're looking to ramp him up as well. 5,900 to me is a great price tag for an OG in a matchup that he's traditionally done well in and in one where you know, they just need him to continue to get going. You're seeing their force feeding him a lot early on in the game, especially from the three point line. He's getting free into the corner to be able to go ahead and get that going. So I'll have a little bit of interest over there. But as you said, the Fred Van Vliet news just kind of brings all of this into play a lot more than it is now.
0: Yep. All right. Three games left, my friend. San Antonio Spurs traveling to Houston, taking it on the Rockets, which is going to poise a question that I will have lined up for you in just a moment. But first, the injury report, Rockets are good to go for the Spurs. Doug McDermott is ruled out along with Romeo Langford. Devin Vassell is probable. Lonnie Walker is questionable. Uh, right now, for a game total, we're looking at 237.5, one of the higher ones of the slate. Spurs favored by 6.5 points. Now, I posed the question to you. DeJounte Murray coming in here with an elevated price tag at 11 k We we don't need to sit here and touch on it too much because we know it's a fantastic matchup. Him or Trey Young? $200 separates them. Where are you going?
1: Yeah, I and mean, I think in general, I, w- I would end up saying that probably Deontay, DeJounte Murray, just because I expect the Rockets to put that little bit more of a fight at this point in comparison to what Indiana's been doing as of late. They have more healthy bodies on their end, and in general, have just been... You know, able to kind of keep themselves in games just on the virtue of being better offensively. They have some pretty good shooters going. So yeah, between those two, I'd say DeJounte is higher. He's obviously got also kind of the body of work behind him now in three games where he hasn't had to play you know, super heavy as far as his minutes are concerned in 32 minutes a game. He's dropping you know, 58 uh, DK points a night on the Houston Rockets. So definitely a big area to be able to keep interest in. And really that's kind of been the major, uh, major look. I mean, I can speak about Keldon Johnson. He's obviously been solid against uh, against the Houston Rockets as well. But again, his price tag at six I Believe there's better options to be able to look at uh, from that uh, from that forward perspective. Maybe you know, don't go with the full on stud. Spend a little bit more. Get Demar Derozan in for that kind of eight thousand price tag and get a little bit more exposure in that end. But by and large, I've just kind of avoided with the rest of the Spurs. That being said, we've seen Josh Richardson get his minutes uh, continue to kind of bump up, and he's seen himself get a little bit of a price bump as a result of it. But if we're talking about solidity, he looks to be in that uh, 27 to 28-minute range pretty consistently now, looks a little bit more engaged on the offensive end, has had two games of 30-plus in that time, and his floor is also sitting at that uh, mid-20s as well. So very solid pick to be able to go and look into it. Like I said, by and large, it starts and ends with DeJounte Murray and whether you want to take him on a Houston Rockets matchup.
0: Yep, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, those were the only two guys I really had any interest in, was him and Richardson. And I do like him in this matchup. I prefer him over Trey. Uh, like you said, it just feels a little safer uh, when, a, when it's all said and done. That, and that's the only reason. I mean, listen, bottom line, I, I prefer Jokic over both of them. But it's going to come down to position eligibility for you. If you want to save at center. Uh, you can definitely spend up by guard. Uh, maybe when it's all said and done with these next two games, we have enough value for both of them. If you want to try to go complete stars and scrubs, but then you're pretty much avoiding everybody in that mid tier that we've talked about if you go that route, but on the Houston side of things, uh, not too crazy interested in everybody. I think everybody's kind of priced appropriately over here. I, I think Christian Wood kind of piques my interest a little bit at 82, but I don't think I'll end up going there when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather, Start my builds with, like I said, a Jokic and maybe get Tyson at the other utility spot to use both those center spots up. Uh, I don't think I'll end up landing on him. I think he'll be a little contrarian for that reason. You know, peaks my interest. Uh, I do prefer, you know, I think on most nights at this point in time, I'm probably going more Kevin Porter Jr. over Jalen Green, but I wouldn't fault you if you feel like you're on the other side of that coin. But those are the only two guys I ever look at most most nice. Is Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, pretty much all set looking at anywhere else here. So
1: I will pass it over to you to talk about the Rockets before we move on to the next game. Fair enough. And you, know, you spoke about it already. I am definitely more on the Jalen Green train than I am on the Kevin Porter one, just in general. I feel like he has more consistency to his game and more offensive versatility to his game as well. But beyond that, I have been playing a decent amount of Sangoon as of late, and clearly his minutes are also finally at a point where I can feel pretty confident that he's going to be playing mid twenties, most nights, which is good enough for him to be able to be his kind of point per minute monster. He has been coming off a great game against Portland uh, 42 in that one as well. And, You know, really, it's just all comes down to whether he can play a decent amount of minutes. And he's played 26 minutes in the two games that he's played against the Spurs. I expect uh, with the Spurs having a little bit more length on the front court there, they will end up playing him a little bit more versus a uh, Sean Tate, who's kind of been on and off as far as his minutes are concerned as well. So at 5,900 power forward eligibility as well on top of his center. Uh, Sangoon is in play for me alongside Jalen Green.
0: All right, we'll move on. Golden State Warriors traveling to Memphis, taking on the Grizzlies. Uh, Warriors second half of a back to back. We do not have the injury report, but the news has already come out that they plan on resting some people. Uh, words are that Clay Thompson, Draymond, and Otto Porter Jr. will all miss this game. Keep your eye on it, but looks like it's uh looks like it's happening. And then for the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark are both questionable. John Morant will miss at least the next what was it two weeks? They said couple games ago so he will sit out as well this game looks like it is coming in at a 222 and a half game total grizzlies favored by 10 and a half points with clay thompson draymond and porter out who are you looking at as far as warriors value and i guess just usage hogs
1: yeah absolutely and it looks like we're gonna have yet another pool party which seems to be the theme at this point he's had just an absolutely amazing run for the last like week and a half at this point where he just doesn't drop a dud his offense is looking absolutely on point and more so than that he's getting 20 shots a game consistently even on nights where he's shooting one of 10 from three he still ends up finding a way to get to 42 dk points as he did against washington uh on on the sunday so really you know where it's going to start and end with the golden state Warriors. 8100 is probably pretty fairly priced for uh for jordan pool given his usage i don't know if i'll jump too too much on him we'll see how it ends up kind of working out but i do expect that to be a pretty fantastic price tag i think he'll get 5x pretty comfortably over there but as you said i'm looking more at the value side of things here first and foremost with uh, jonathan kuminga who it's just one of those things where he just needs to get the playing time as we know and if this isn't a matchup in which he can get it. When else would he? Last time he got 30 minutes, was able to drop 30 DK points in that one. And his price is depressed a little bit because of the fact that he's only played 14 minutes in the last two games. I expect that to go back to normal in this kind of a matchup, which gives him a lot of upside to be able to go ahead and absolutely smash that. And he's definitely one of my kind of more liked value plays here. The other one is uh, Gary Payton, who just always, always needed on the defensive end. Anytime he can also get into that 30 minutes range, he's always just been a smash for 5x, if not 6x here. And at 4,100, just an excellent spot for him to be able to go ahead and just be hounding a Tyus Jones all night and probably end up with a couple of steals alongside the rest of his, uh, the rest of his lineup, just kind of uh, rounding out to be something that I end up liking.
0: Yep. Well said. I think, obviously, the pool party is always in play. 8,100, the price tag doesn't really scare me off there. It is a tough matchup. Memphis' defense has been pretty much elite all season, regardless of who's actually on the court. Um, I do have interest in him. I think Wiggins, too, at 6,800, just knowing that these two guys will most likely lead this team in shot attempts. Kaminga's in play, absolutely. Um, it wouldn't shock me if we see Moses Moody draw the start in place of Clay Thompson, just because they might want to keep Gary Payton as that backup ball handler. To kind of sub in when the situation's right, keep your eye on that though. I think both those guys would absolutely get a big bump. We'd probably be looking at, I mean, they're both pretty much in the rotation and playing anywhere between 15 and 20 on a regular night, let alone with three starters out. Uh, you were probably looking at one of them's going to play 35 minutes, the other one will probably play 28. And at their price tags, they're both absolutely in play. And then Looney should draw the start. We saw Draymond start at center tonight. Uh, Looney should get his starting center roll back into play. And the 4,300, it's okay. I still prefer Tice over him if Tice draws to start. But there's a lot of value. There's a lot of options you can go here. I think, you know, even on the other side of the ball, based on what we already know and what could happen as far as, let's say, Jaron Jackson sits and if we see how Brandon Clark has to sit, there's going to be a lot of good plays in this game that we're going to be probably loading up on it. So I can see myself having three to four players in this game alone, which is pretty. Part of the reason why I said I'm, I'm fading so many other games, uh, that I, I do see myself having interest on I'm, I'm pretty much both sides of the ball. So we'll slide over to Memphis here. Tyus Jones, 5,800, he's been pretty much talking the town for DFS players, as we know. Uh, no John Morant, you can play Tyus. Uh, I, I get it, Gary Payton might be able to just stifle him a little bit, but at 5,800, it's still not, he needs to get to like 64, I think, is where you're going to start to really have to consider whether or not you want to play him. Uh, and D'Anthony Mellon, obviously, another guy who's just been red hot. Uh, there's no other way to say it. The dude has just been knocking down three pointers at an elite clip over the past three games. We're talking about 17 threes in 28 attempts. Uh, so this is going to continue shooting 60% from deep. I'm gonna have interest in him as well. Uh, so those two guys, and then keep your eye on obviously the Jaron Jackson news if he sits and if Brandon Clark sits, we're probably gonna be looking at Kyle Anderson drawing the spot at power forward. And if you listen to this show, the only time I ever have interest in Kyle Anderson is if he is playing power forward. It's just that easy. Uh, he would obviously get a big bump over there. I think he'd be a great value play at, what is he now? 4,500. Um, am I looking at it? Where did I just saw him? No, I'm, I'm missing him.
1: Yep, 4,500. Uh, all right.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. a play for me. I don't think I'll be playing Steven Adams in this matchup. Not a Steven Adams matchup. If you ask me, uh, it'll be Tyus. It'll be Melton. It'll be Kyle Anderson. If we see Jaron Jackson and, and, Brandon Clark sit. Uh, that's probably it. I always like to look at John Conchar, but I, I prefer one like it to be on a night where we see like Dylan Brooks or one of these wing sets. In that case, I, I usually have more interest in Conchar.
1: Yeah, right there with you. Matthias Jones and Melton have just continuously been the guys that I've been playing for Memphis pretty much night in, night out until they end up hitting into that 6,000 range, which we'll probably end up seeing somewhere in the middle of next week with Moran contained to be out and these guys just being. Absolutely solid night in and night out. So continue to take advantage of that juice on their uh, on their price tags until it gets there and just take it and move on. We'll move on to some more bad teams playing with
0: a ton of value. Thunder. Darius Baisley is doubtful. Lou Jen Stort, Derek Favors, Josh Giddey, Shea, Ty Jerome, Mike Muscala, Kenrich all ruled out. And the only team with a longer injury report is the Blazers with Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, Joe Ingles, Damian Lillard, Nasir Little, Didi Luizida. Yusuf Nurk, Anthony Simons, Trendon Waters, Justice Winslow, all rolled out. Greg Brown the third uh, is questionable. Man, we're, we're running up. I don't even know if they'll be able to suit up at this point. Uh, 221.5, OKC favored by 2.5 points. Not very often you'll see OKC favored in a game. If you needed more value in another game to kind of get a mini stack going, it's going to be this one. So that's kind of, again, I'll allude to it, why I was off so many guys in the earlier games And why I think there is an ample opportunity if you wanted to go Stars and Scrubs, you could, because there's so many bodies out, man, all over the place. So I will pass it over to you, talk about OKC. And I guess I don't even want to say who you're playing. How many are you playing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. At this point, I may as well put on my uh, old OKC Harden jersey I've got kind of dusted off here and play for him. Because at this point, who knows if they even have the seven, eight players to be able to go and throw out there. But Really, as far as the value side of things are concerned, there's just so many great options. I've been playing a decent amount of Theo Maladon uh, as of late. Two great games. Obviously, he's coming out there. gotten those 30 plus minutes uh, as the shooting guard over there. Uh, pretty much kind of secondary ball handler behind a combination of uh, Pokuszewski and Trey Mann, both of which are absolutely in play as well. I've kind of stayed away from the Isaiah Roby side of things just because I can never really trust him to get the kind of minutes that I would hopefully expect him to get on a consistent basis. You'd hope that he should be able to get to 30 given how everything else uh, ends up working out. But really, we just never see that end up happening. And uh, he, he got it against that Orlando matchup where he dropped 44 DK points as a result of that. But honestly, even in 25, he'll probably be in play to be able to get 5X pretty consistently. But as far as kind of, big upside that i'm looking at it's between uh theo Maladone and uh and pokushevsky at 5,900. i expect both of them to kind of have the vast majority of the shots train Trey, Trey on the other hand will also just keep shooting but his lack of kind of ancillary stats on the other end is a, a little bit more of a concern given the fact that his price tag has taken a decent amount of bump so really two um, two guys absolutely in play aaron wiggins is another one that you can potentially look at as well from a you know kind of dumpster dive perspective but you know, unless you uh, less of a, uh, a sure thing as far as his usage is concerned. So kind of stick with Maladon and uh, go with the rest. Well
0: said, my friend. Couldn't uh, could have said any better. I was looking at Pacoveski, Trey Mann, Theo Maladon as well. And then, like you said, I think that we do see Wiggins draw the start. Pacoveski at the four, Roby at the five. We'll probably either see, uh, it'll probably be Trey uh, playing the one or the two i guess maladon probably plays the who plays the one is it trey or maladon yeah
1: trey ends up playing the one maladon plays the two but it's always just it's honestly more of maladon handling it because trey is just catch and shoot every time
0: he's a a bucket getter yeah and then we'll end up seeing Wiggins probably draw the start at the three so frankly i think i'm right there with you all four of those guys outside of roby would be the guys i'm interested in the most uh one two however you want to do it um this is the one matchup where Again, should be fairly high scoring. We're looking at a game total of 221 and a half. I'm probably taking the over considering it's pretty much me and you playing defense. Um, yeah, I, I got to have interest all over the ball here. Uh, on the other side, you know, now we're going to probably have to keep an eye on this, especially because there's no Trenton Wofford, uh, There's no Justice Winslow. Who's going to start at the five is the big question mark is Greg Brown is questionable. And they're running out of bodies, man. They're running out of bodies and they're running out of them quick. Um, I don't believe that they're, they're probably going to have to play small ball, which is going to be tough going against a guy like Paco Uh Drew Eubanks is now all the way up to 7,100. Normally I would say I do not have any interest in it. But in this matchup at 7,100 and knowing that they're down so many bigs, I kind of have to have a little interest. I'm not saying you have to play him, but you, you at least got to think about it for a moment. Uh, so I would have a little interest in him. I think going back to the Chris Dunwell at 4,400 after a down game is something I'm totally into especially knowing they're down bodies. They're going to probably play him a fair amount. CJ Ellaby will probably have to be the guy, I guess, that plays the four for him, uh, which wouldn't shock me too much if that's what we end up seeing. I I think I don't want to really go there. I don't mind it. I don't want to, though. Uh, It's mostly going to be Ben McLemore, though, at 4K, who now is just going to continue to see plenty of shot attempts, plenty of minutes. Same thing with Keon Johnson. We're going to see plenty of shot attempts, plenty of minutes. Um, Actually, what do you think, Ben? Do you think it's Elijah Hughes that ends up playing a little bit of the four? They're going to have to go at one of these small guys that ends up having to play extra minutes. And I mean, it, it's tough to peg it here. It's really tough to peg a lineup. We know Eubanks is starting. Uh, yeah. we, we know that Brandon Williams is probably going to play significant minutes, whether he starts, comes off the bench, probably end up starting. L.O.B. will start. So there's probably three of the guys right there. Who do you think draws the other two starting spots if Greg Brown's ruled out? If Greg Brown's able to play, he's starting the four.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, As you said about uh, the LB side of things, that's exactly what ends up happening. They move him over to kind of that small wall four. He ends up being that main guy to go just crash the boards, go ahead and do it. Uh, I do expect that we're going to get the uh, opportunity for Keon Johnson uh, to be able to be the one who ends up starting at like the combination of that's shooting guard slash small forward. And we see LB get moved over to that power forward to end up starting. I said, Eubanks is pretty much locked in as far as the center is concerned. And I said, there's just, so few healthy bodies that there's just so much value that you can't go wrong. lb is probably the one that I'm most interested in, just given the fact that we've seen him have a number of big rebounding games when uh, other people end up being out, Had 13 in that one against Atlanta. And really, anytime he gets to be in that kind of power forward slot, he has a lot more opportunities to be able to go and grab those boards because he's never get a big shot hunter. I, but In the last two games, he has gotten double-digit shot attempts, which... Yeah, if you can mix that up with a couple more rebounds, which ends up happening when he plays the four, that gives him a pretty solid base to be able to get to somewhere close to 6x as far as his uh, his value is concerned. So looking forward to being able to take that. And then, as you said, Chris Dunn, I do expect him to bounce back. They need, first of all, he's probably the one a decent guard defender that they end up having uh, for uh, someone to go ahead and throw on the uh, throw on the OKC side but we'll have to see how that ends up working out. But by and large, I'm looking mostly at LB and maybe a little bit of uh, Chris Dunn as well.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I mean, we're not even be able to see this starting lineup until lineups are locked. So we're really going to, really going to have to use our best guess on this one. And when it comes to the best guess, I want to go with the sure thing guys. I know we're going to probably play decent enough minutes or take decent enough shot attempts. So uh, I'll be looking at Eubanks. I don't mind LB. I just don't love, I don't think the upside is always there. I think on this slate, given some of these other options, like we talked about Kaminga at a similar price tag, some yeah. other guys, where I just don't see myself landing on LB all too, too much. Um, I don't mind looking at Ben McLemore, Chris Dunn, I think both those guys would be in play for me, as well as Eubanks. And then if we happen to get the news that Greg Brown's playing, I would have interest at him at 4,100 because I think it's going to be tough going small ball against Pacu. Um I think that they'll probably rather have some more size out there, and at the very least, he's pretty much the only backup center, uh, slash backup power four that they have, so Ah, uh, by and large, he'd have to play at least 25 to 26 minutes. So at 4100, I'd have interest in Greg Brown as well. Uh, we've seen him drop a, a 31 against San Antonio in the only game that uh, over the past four where he's actually played 27 plus minutes. So the downside's always there, but in this matchup, I'm kind of lean towards more of the upside. There we go, man. Uh, that was probably the most convoluted breakdown that I've ever given, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to work with what I have right now, and I just uh, I don't have all the news, man. I gotta I gotta work with what I got. So we'll slide over now to break down our player tier segment, and I'll let you start with your top spend-up.
1: Yeah, and as far as the top spend-ups go, in the end, I'm going to have to stick with everything we've spoken about. It's going to be Nikola Jokic. Just purely, I expect him to be the highest point scorer of the night by a pretty decent amount in the matchup. That's just likely going to be one of the highest scoring ones by the time the night is done as well. Just everything is in play for him to continue to have those monster games that he's had against uh, against Charlotte. 65.8 in the first game. He played 35 minutes a game. I expect him to be once again in that range, which given how much value we have, otherwise I'm, I'm down to take a stud like Jokic and he's going to be my top spend up.
0: Can't follow you there. I'd absolutely love him as well. I will end up going with uh, DeJounte Murray. Then those are the two, only two guys I could see myself spending up on outside of the guys in that low AK range, which I do think are in play. We've talked about several of them like Jordan pool range. Uh, I'm probably going to go right either to the Jordan pool range or go for the two studs. Uh, There's a couple guys out there that we talked about that low AK range, though, that I definitely think are in play. Uh, But no matter what I'm playing, at least one of those
1: guys priced at 11 K or more. And then I will pass it over to you to go with your mid tier play. Yeah. And again, as far as the, the mid tier side is concerned, there's probably like more of those like low 8,000s that I'm a little bit more interested in, but if I'm purely looking at kind of that mid-price range, it just ends up being that uh, Memphis side of things, which I've just consistently found myself taking between either Tyus Jones or DeAnthony Melton. I found myself taking a little bit more at DeAnthony Melton, so I'm going to stick with that and say that he's going to be my uh, favorite mid-tier pick. Just in general, an excellent matchup with the Golden State Warriors, shorthanded on the other end. I still expect this to be a close game all the way through, even though the Memphis Grizzlies are li- Listed at, you know, winning by 10. I do expect that the Warriors are going to put up more of a fight than that. So that's kind of my game script. And the Melton's Melton is going to be my mid-tier guy.
0: Yep. I agree. I was looking at those. I like the mid-tier in this slate. Uh, and that's why I just don't see myself necessarily. I'm going to try to force the stars and scrubs, especially maybe as the day goes on, we get some other guys ruled out. We get some, maybe some hints at who's starting things like that, where maybe I can get both Murray and, uh, and Jokic in there. I, I'd love to do that. I'd like to think I could, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I'm stuck between two guys here. I'm looking at Boucher. Uh, again, we need Gary Trent Jr. to sit out. I think he'd be certain to play. And then pick your poison with any of these OKC guys. trade uh, Trey Mann, uh, those two guys. I'm going to have at least one of them, if not both of them, in most of my lineups against Portland. But it's all said and done. I'm probably leaning towards those two guys over Boucher just simply because we know what the situation is. Uh, we don't need to sit here and hope that Gary Trent's rolled out. I, I don't want to hope that, man. I know you want to see Gary <laughs> Trent play. That's your yes. guy. So uh, I don't want to root against Gary Trent Jr. playing. So I'll probably
1: lean those two. Okay, see guys. And then who is your top value play? Yeah, and as far as the value play side is concerned, I mean, there's just like the whole bunch you can go ahead and take in the OKC Portland game. But in general, I do think that Jonathan Kuminga on the Golden State Warriors 4400 is going to be the one I see myself having the most amount of exposure of. I expect him to get his minutes back to that 30 minutes range, get him to shoot in the high double digits as far as his field goal attempts are concerned, which automatically opens up all that upside for him to be able to drop somewhere in the high 30s to low 40s as far as DK points are concerned. So a lot to like in that matchup in one where Kaminga is going to be heavily featured as far as I'm concerned. So let's see how that ends up working out. But I'm liking that one so far.
0: Can't fault you, my friend. I will. um, I'll give two here just because we don't have the news on how the Celtics are kind of going to approach this. Uh, But it would be it would be Daniel Tice at 3,700 as my top play if we had the news. Um, And then again, I'm going to probably try to go stars and scrubs. So I'll stick in that Golden State Warriors game with you. And I do think that Moses Moody ends up drawing that start. And if he can get 10 shot attempts, he can pay off. I mean, it's 3K. He's bottom of the barrel. Doesn't get any cheaper than that. Uh, so I, I do want to look at him for that stars and scrub build. If you have a little bit of extra money, you could look at Gary Payton, who's the safer option. But I'm I'm kind of feeling frisky, man. I'm feeling frisky. I want to try to get both these studs in there if I could. They're both in fantastic matchups, and I can easily see those two guys being the two highest scorers on the slate. And we might be looking at you know a combined you know 120 to 130 DK points from those two guys. Where, you know, if you can get 20 out of a guy like Moody on, at 3K, you'll be happy that you ended up spending up on him. So we'll slide over now to Thrive Fantasy. Give me your top. And listen, I, I always try to be transparent. I hate this Thrive Fantasy night. I hate it, <laughs> uh, but I will pass it over to you to start off.
1: I mean, that's fair, but uh, just looking at a couple of these uh, overs in which you're getting three digit results, I'm I'm good with a couple of them. First and foremost, you know, stick on brand with uh, Nikola Jokic, 48 and a half on the uh, points, rebounds and assists to be able to hit that over. Feel pretty confident about that. Same, same with the LaMelo ball one. So I'm just going to kind of say both of those are kind of together there for me. I expect that Denver Charlotte game to be exciting, to be high scoring all the way through. And as long as we see LaMelo on the floor, I expect that they'll both be able to hit their overs pretty, pretty comfortably.
0: Fair enough. Uh then I'll go and stay on Brand as well and go with DeJounte Murray. Uh you know, take the over on him for one oh five points. Uh you took the other two guys that I'd actually have any interest in, probably on this entire thing, which is that's that's the problem. You have to you have to feel good about building an entire lineup up, but forty-one and a half points, rebounds and assists. We look at Murray's stats this season in three games against Houston, he is averaging Uh, just about that. It's 23.3, 10.7, 7.3, and we're talking to only 32 minutes, where that's probably what his floor is going to be, about 30 minutes. The ceiling, if the game stays close enough, could be 35 to 36, in which I immediately expect him to pay that off. So uh, I will be looking at Mr. Murray, and that brings us home, my friend. That wraps up everything in just under an hour. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for following thank you for reading because obviously he might have read some articles coming out on a daily basis as well you can find me on twitter at mike apatra m-i-k-e-a-p-o-t-r-i-a you can find harris at h-a-k underscore devil that is h-a-k underscore d-e-v-i-l harris i mean season's winding down man your raptors they're they're gonna be in there they're gonna be they're gonna be playing in there my maps are gonna be in there we got the, you know, while everyone else is fussing because they got their season-long leagues coming to an end, there's one way that you can avoid, you know, having your players rested and all this at the end, and that, that's by taking our our strategy here. It's just stink enough where you don't make playoffs, you don't there make you far enough. It, it's, it's something you don't even got to worry about. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's you know, when in doubt, just suck uh no in all, in all seriousness guys you know this is this is the best time of the season to play dfs and it's because if you can stay on top of the news if you can monitor if you can be there when lineups lock you can take advantage of a lot of people who aren't uh and who are as keen to the news and who's going to sub in and play the extra minutes and all that kind of stuff so uh make sure you give us a thumbs up five star rate review wherever you do listen to this twitcher twitcher uh stitcher spotify iheart radio youtube you name it harris my friend is there anything else you would like to leave us on before we get out of here
1: Oh, I like that you pointed out the uh, not having to split my attention between season long leagues and uh, NDFS, although I'm still like the commissioner in like three other leagues. So I got to make sure people aren't messing around over there, but it's been good in that sense. And as you said, it's just winding down, getting ready for the playoffs. I expect these playoffs to be awesome, especially the first round. I don't think I've been as, as excited for a first round. Until since like the bubble playoffs, which I know other people have their own opinions of, but I thought especially that first round was some of the best basketball we've seen in the last like decade and a half. So I'm really expecting this to be really really fun. I'm hoping the Raptors can end up in that top six, uh, top six seed situation because if that happens and they're ending up against like a Miami or a or a um, or a Milwaukee matchup, that is going to be fun to watch all the way through.
0: Oh yeah, man, this is going to be one of the better uh, better playoff races because at this point, there's no. There's no real one clear-cut favorite. I wouldn't even say there's a two, like two clear-cut favorites. I think there's four or five teams that have complete shot at winning this title. So I'm excited just to see how this all breaks down. I think we're going to see a lot of the even the playing games are going to be fantastic. Um, you know, LeBron suffered an ankle injury tonight that he said hurts like hell. I think if I quote, like he he said he's suffering it through it right now. So their uh, their season might be coming to an end if you take LeBron off the floor from this team. They're uh they're pretty yeah, much the, yeah, the, the Spurs
1: will end up like superseding them. And then honestly, I'd rather see that I'd much rather see DeJounte get a little bit more playoff experience rather than this train wreck. That is the Lakers. So
0: it, and that's, that's a good way to put it. So we'll end it there with Terrace calling the Lakers a train wreck. So any of you Lakers fans, he said it, not me uh, jumping, <laughs> jump on him That's what it all seriousness, This, uh, they are, I back you on that, man, they're a train wreck. I got my buddy that's been staying with me. He's a Laker fan. Every single night, I let hear it. It's brutal. But we'll be back tomorrow, guys. It'll be Santino. It'll be DJ Sammy Caps taking down that Monday slate for you guys. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you later. Let's take down a GPP.